the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time, 6.07 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. If you want to chat with me, one 367 We've been talking about the reasons behind the massive shifts and changes in our society and why people are being challenged with dealing with them. And the basic, uh, I guess, maybe the challenge I gave you before the break was, how do you deal with it as a as a Christian? How do you understand it? How do you engage it? How do you impact it for Christ? How do you deal with this system of conflicts that are intentional and designed to shift us away uh, incrementally from a biblical worldview? Uh, Hegel, uh, Frederick Hegel, George Frederick Hegel, uh, from a philosophical standpoint, and some would call call it also from a mystical standpoint, because he really didn't advocate politics as much as he did philosophy. And his argument was everywhere in the world of human beings, there have been conflicts. And those conflicts have arised because the original premise of ideas and existence and norms and traditions at some point in time, prove inadequate. This is what we call theses. And I'll show you how this works biblically. What, 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 um, what Hegel said was, at some point you're going to take that normal theses that, that govern tribes, govern families, and in some cases govern nations. In the beginning of time, historically, we started off with families and tribes, as you know. And families and tribes would either operate out of a biblical worldview or a secular worldview. You know that because of the Cain and Abel, there you go, premise of conflict. Abel is a believer, Cain's not. Cain can't put up with Abel. What does Cain do? Cain kills Abel. That's your thesis, antithesis, conflict. Put them in the octagon, put them in the cage. The goal of the antithesis is to either wipe out the thesis or transform the thesis. That thesis is seen in the beginning of time with Satan, who comes into God's world and comes into the world of human beings under that patriarchal model of Adam and Eve. And he doesn't attack the man. He attacks the woman. He catches the weaker vessel and he begins to he begins to engage her with a dialogue. The serpent. And what he does is he challenges Eve's theses. Now, Eve's thesis comes from her husband, and her thesis comes from God. God created them, and so she believes in the monotheistic construct of God. God gave them all that they have, so she believes in the benevolence of God, the stewardship of God's resources. She believes in providence. God told Adam and Eve they can have everything but the tree, so she believes in the parameters and boundaries of God's sovereignty. She doesn't believe that she's created and placed in this world to do whatever she wants, whenever she wants, however she wants, express yourself. She didn't hold to that view originally. 
But the devil came in with an argument to challenge her theses, which is what has been happening to the church from the beginning. The devil came in and challenged her worldview, which was given to her by God. Hath God said, he said. And now all of a sudden she's met somebody who doesn't agree with her God. And this is often how Christians are when they grow up within the framework of being protected by a home that raises them under a biblical worldview, but does not quite give them a healthy enough understanding of the antithesis of culture so that by the time they go to a secular school or a secular college, they're bombarded with the secular college's antithesis against the biblical theses. And way too many times our kids collapse like Eve collapsed. Remember? Eve initially held to the view that God said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. Now, that wasn't profound. That wasn't lofty theology. It wasn't lofty philosophy. It was a basic pragmatic truth that God gave to us for our good. Don't mess with that tree. You'll be fine. But the way that the serpent came in with his whole new argument, his whole new worldview was that God was not being fair And that term is used today. And God was not being good because God was not allowing man and woman to do whatever they wanted to do. And then they inferred that God knew something that he inferred that God knew something that they didn't know about the benefits of that tree. So now in reverse psychology, what Satan has done is attacked man's theses given to them by God, for which God says, if you keep these parameters, you'll be fine. If you break these parameters, you're going to suffer. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is simply a metaphor for every prohibition that God has laid down in the word of God. If God says that marriage is between a man and a woman, then you can't break that 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 violation without suffering the same consequences of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that Adam and Eve did. If God says sex outside of marriage is wrong, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If God says sex between two men and two women is wrong, sex between adults and children is wrong, sex between humans and animals is wrong, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see what I'm getting at? And so today where everything that the Bible has laid out as parameters and boundaries that constitutes our good and welfare, they're being now redefined by the antithesis to challenge the theses, and we're seeing a change. This is called the consensus or our our synthesis, as Hegel says it. This is why we've gone from families to tribes, from tribes to nations to nations to monarchies, from monarchies to democracies, from democracies to, to the whole plethora now of oligarchies and uh, fascist totalitarian systems and, uh, and, and where we are moving now, a socialist uh, a, a sort of outcome as a compromise to the battle between a conservative worldview and uh, a totalitarian system or, if you will, a, uh, a communist system. So America has touted being uh, fundamentally a better country because we've operated out of a democratic republic, have we not? And in a democratic republic, if all things are equal, people get to enjoy levels of freedom that you don't in other countries. Agreed. But what I would say to you and I is that the democratic republic process experiment that you and I have been on 
it was destined to shift into what you and I are dealing with now. And this is increasingly socialized government that is being oppressed by the trajectory of massive democratic uh, hostility, almost a kind of fascist uh, democracy where where the people are building in this momentum and building in their numbers in its hostility against all of the original structures that were there uh, that would set parameters and boundaries by which we could live a decent life. Now they want to overthrow that because they want to just kind of move into that next change. You see, so the Bible really does talk about uh, change. It talks about the exchange that mankind has done in, in Romans chapter one. They exchanged the glory of God and have now bought into an image worship like unto uh, mankind itself. This is called humanism. Four-footed beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And that's called the worship of creation. That's a, a, a major departure from biblical truth. The idea of animism or the creation, the worship of the creature. Idolatry dominates uh, this whole system of, of uh, socialism as we move into uh, the new models that's about to come. You'll, you'll notice within the socialist construct, there is a rejection, rejection of a biblical worldview and a picking up of all of the kind of native indigenous uh, God theories and practices of worshiping the creature. Uh, all of that's inherent in the system. And I'll say this as I go to a break before I come back and begin to talk to you a little bit more about uh, the uh, dialectical process and its biblical warnings. Um. Again, you can see within our society's structure a breakdown in peace, a breakdown in tranquility, a breakdown in confidence, a breakdown in assurance, a breakdown in civility, a breakdown in reasonability, a breakdown in coherence from the top down. The term in Hebrew is babel. What we got in the Genesis 10 and 11 account where God scattered the nations to the four winds and, and confounded their languages. Bubble. <clears throat> you and I are living in a bubble society. That's what socialism does. It so atomizes everyone into its own independent components with its own individual identity, not to really share a common identity and therefore have all kinds of different views. It's a bobble going on in that, in that kind of bobble. You don't have any kind of real peace or any any real uh, stability, any real sense of the future. This is why people are filled with anxiety today. Four lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. And what the Bible says in John sixteen thirty three is in the world, believer, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good world, be of good uh, cheer. I have overcome the world. He goes on to say, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives unto you, give I unto you, I give to you my peace. So the believer should be walking in peace. But to do that, you got to walk in knowledge. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back at the time, 621 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. The Bible says this in the book of Romans chapter one, as Paul was dealing with his opening uh, sort of uh, presentation to the church at Rome about the power of the gospel and how important the gospel is to impact this process of change that I have been talking to you about now for an hour and a half. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. What did Paul know? He knew that the solution to human suffering, the solution to human 
uh, struggle, human conflict, human hostility, human uh, interactions that lead to decay and chaos and and uh, conformity to a, a a model of existence that is misery. He knew that the answer to it was the gospel, the gospel, the grace of God in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the message of redemption by the one true and living God through his son, Jesus Christ, by what Christ accomplished for sinners on the cross. He knew that that was the remedy. He knew that the only way that you could stop this, this teleological, teleeconomic process of uh, unfolding history. He recognized that we are moving in a trajectory economically and socially and, 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 and politically. Uh, that it would ultimately end up in a kind of morass of uh, communism. That was his argument, that there would, the way that it would work out if the gospel doesn't impact our world is that the world would be uh, a communist system ideologically where everything is flatlined and flat leveled and people were made to be uh, equally, the, equally the same without any kind of distinction because after a while, distinctions just become entirely Tolerable. So a kind of idealistic communism is is what you saw in Russia, in Germany and other places where people existed, but they existed at such a par level, low level that there was no creativity, that there was no diversity, that there was no uh, uh, fullness expressed in the uniqueness of the uh, collaboration of their societies. Same color pants, same color jackets. Uh, stale bread and, uh, you know, food goods that were limited in their resources and certainly limited in their diversity. That's what uh, communism brings to the table when it tries to squash uh, creativity and which tries to squash diversity. And creativity and diversity are characteristics of God's mandate for mankind. As long as that creativity and diversity does not violate fundamental parameters that are moral and ethical, which are designed for the good of society. The moment you take creativity and diversity and use it as a weapon against boundaries of biblical truth, such as the fundamental characteristics of men and women and the fundamental characteristics of the relationship called marriage. Once you use diversity and, uh, and creativity to attack that, now you're operating out of the satanic system. And this is why Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness of men who are continually but unsuccessfully holding the truth down in unrighteousness. In other words, God says mankind intuitively knows what's right, but they hate it and press against it. And the power brokers of our world utilize their strength, their power, their social uh, uh, camaraderies, comrades, if you will, to begin to push on society its own agendas. Now, this has been a negative outcome in almost every system in the world, even a democratic system like we have in America and Europe is still impacted because democracy simply means the rule of the people. Well, if the people ruled, as opposed to a, a thesis that we would say the government rules, then what good is the rule of the people if the people's understanding is contrary to the word of God? What good, what kind of peace can we have in a democratic society where men and women make up their own rules? 
make up their own logic, make up their own uh, moral parameters, make up their own ethics. And then within themselves, their own moral rules and ethics contradict each other. What kind of peace is that? There is none. So here's what Paul says. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. The invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Ken was saying earlier that when he found himself drifting away from a biblical worldview and entering into a mode of Darwinian uh, evolutionary theory. And by the way, Darwin was impacted by Marx and Marx was impacted by Darwin. And both Darwin and Marx are the underlying premise for almost all of the epistemology that dominates our present world. Be sure of it. The whole intellectual elite of our society would much rather we believe in Darwinianism and operate out of a Marxist model of proletariat dominating uh, the bourgeoisie. The whole world system wants us to collapse into that kind of socialist model. But this is what God is saying in verse 20. He's saying that we know what's right, but we don't want to do it. And therefore, because that when they knew God, verse 21, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imagination. Now, this is what I mean by the pseudo identity syndrome. Watch this. They became vain in their imagination. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God. Into an image like unto corruptible man. What did Paul just say? We replace God with man, humanism. There it is. And to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things, now animism, the worship of the creature. Wherefore, God also did what? Gave them up to uncleanness. See, when you, when you reject biblical truth, you reject, reject fellowship with the true and the living God, communion with the true and the living God, the only thing you're left to is uncleanness. And, and, and that's a great word for me to define where we are in our culture today, unclean. Would you agree? One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Do you see what's going on? Rather than worshiping the true and the living God, mankind has become a self-worshiping creature where he worships himself. Of course, God is describing here in Romans chapter one homosexuality. You guys know that it goes on to be explicitly laid out. They changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who was blessed forever. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections for even their own women have changed their natural use into that which is against nature. So there you go. That is women now departing from their original design. This gets back into identity, too, because when you are born a female, when you are created a female genetically, biologically, empirically, with all of the uh, physical components that constitutes a female as a means by which life comes into this world. Your job, if you're called to procreation, is to find your counterpart in a male so that you can honor God in the fullness. But when God gives a society up, they abandon that right worldview and right identity marker. He says, 
And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one towards another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their era, which was appropriate for them. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, and haters of God, despiteful, proud, bolsters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. There you go. That's Marxism right there. Without understanding, covenant breakers, that is abandoning the whole premise of marriage. Without natural affection, implacable, that is you can't, you can't, you can't persuade them. Unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, they that which commit these things are worthy of death. Not only those who do them, but those who have pleasure in them that do them. This is where the Christian has to be careful. Because God's judgments are clearly laid out on this kind of behavior explicitly, the behavior of being given up. But the Christian has to be careful not to collapse into the dialectical process and start to approve of that behavior, too, because that would incur the wrath of God against them. Now, when I come back, I'm going to give you the identity markers of the pseudo uh, identity syndrome, because this new identity that people are walking in is a real problem. And you, Christian, need to know how to identify it and how to address it. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan, one 888 if you want to talk about it. one 888 Otherwise, I'd love to teach for another half hour, and you can just sit and listen and learn. We'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time is 636 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. See here, we've got about 20 minutes. If you want to give us a call, one 888 if you want to enter in on our conversation. Let me go to line number one and talk with Faye in Oakland. Faye, are you there? Hi, I am here. How are you, Pastor? Good. Have you got your radio down? I do. I have my radio down now. Okay, good. What's your thoughts or questions or comment tonight? My, my 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 thought is this. Um, I grew up in the theater world and was exposed to, even though I didn't participate in it, but most of my guy friends were homosexual, all whom have passed on, uh, all 25 of them. Right. And we would sit down and have these conversations, and they would ask me, uh, what did the Bible say about homosexuality? And I remember the past, the, the passage, nor thieves, nor adulter, adulterers, uh, so forth and so on, should, should inherit the kingdom of God. Right. To which they said, well, God made me this way. Now, I didn't have the, I didn't have the information and the, and the bib, biblical wisdom that I have now. Mm-hmm. But my cousin who's left, he, he, he is, uh, does have AIDS, and he still is very, very prideful and says, well, God made me this way. And I was like, no, God didn't make you that way. You mm-hmm. conceived in sin, and anything can go wrong in the womb, but there is a choice. And he's like, so we have this we have this conversation. I don't know what to say to him to get him to open up his eyes. And I think that he is just really uh, 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 adamant about, I am gay, and I'm going to die this way. I, I, I don't know how to minister to him. Right. Uh, Pastor Gisele. Right. Well, have you shared the gospel with him? I have. Well, you've ministered to him. 
There's nothing else you can do. There's no, there's no kind of, you know, panacea. There's no, there's no trick to getting him to recognize that what he is fundamentally identifying as um, stands in stark uh, contradiction to what God has determined him to be uh, from, from, from the beginning of time. And so what he has chosen to do is to operate out of his orientation, his emotional and psychological orientation, rather than to operate out of what the Bible explicitly says, explicitly says, and the evidence of humanity affirms. In other words, the vast majority of human beings operate out of the coherence of their identity being rooted in their gender. The vast majority of us are what are called uh, heterosexuals. That means we are not operating in a kind of conflict between what we are biologically and what we feel that we are in terms of our sexual orientation or in terms of our our gender. But we choose to behave in terms of what we want over against what God has said are the parameters and boundaries of our conduct. So what he's essentially saying, um, uh, Faye, is that um, I'm going to die Doing what I feel versus doing what God says, because there have been uh, probably untold millions and millions of homosexuals who have learned and understood what it means to walk by faith in the grace of God uh, over against their passion and impulses. uh, So as to affirm that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And in fact, many of us have to walk with certain fundamental rejections of our passions and desires in order to live in obedience to Christ. We don't get to just live any kind of way we want to, although for many of us, we'd love to live certain kinds of ways, but as a servant of God and as a child of God, we we know better than that. So your cousin is just basically, uh, you know, going to take his chances. That's what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, sadly, sadly enough, it, it, it does make sense. How like old I is said, he? I, I, he is about 46 years of age. Right. And and in terms of his homosexual lifestyle, um, w- did he demonstrate a kind of uh, boastful uh, assertiveness of it? Or was it something he struggled with and uh, it just, you know, it just ended up dominating his life? No, he, he probably confesses, as he did decades ago, there's nothing straight that can't be bent. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, he's right about that. And that's what conversion is about when a person really experiences the grace of God. But um, um, why did he why would he modify from that unless he just is defining himself based upon his, his proclivities versus basing himself upon the word of God? And you said he's 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 sick and ill. Yes, he is. Right. What is he sick? What is he suffering from? What disease? AIDS. Okay. Right. I know about and that. I would, yeah. And I would minister to him and he wanted to always hear, I would read Psalm 91 and um, Psalm 23 and play Donnie McClurkin uh, for him and pray over him. And he seemed to have recovered by the grace of God. And so once he recovered and got well enough, he just went back there and just ceased communication with me, you right, know? Right, right. So, well, I so mean, I just, God gave, God, God can do that. God can give a person a reprieve of illness, 
Uh, and, and, and that illness does not mean that they're going to give God glory for it or, or change or convert. They have to be converted by, by the great grace of God through the gospel. That's what we're saying. The gospel has to do the work of uh, bringing him to a revelation of his sin, of Christ's righteousness, and of God's forgiveness by the judgment of God upon Christ in his behalf. If he doesn't see Christ as his Savior uh, and that Christ paid for that rebellion of homosexuality, then he, he cannot identify with Christ uh, as the grounds of his existence and his eternity. And so that's apparently that's what he's doing, just succumbing to his impulses as the grounds of defining himself. Yeah, it's it's so sad. I, I, I I'm gonna continue to pray that the eyes of his understanding be enlightened, Pastor. Right, and 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 we can all do that. How long do, do you think that he has? Um, I have no idea. He's in the convalescent home, and he does he does not want to see me. Right, right. Where? Yeah, because he's he's done with that conversation. He's done yeah, with that yeah. conversation, and 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 you don't, you're not obligated. We cannot cast our pearls before swine. You just don't do that. If you share the word with him, you don't set him up to be frustrated with you because he'll feel like you're coming in to continue to try to cajole him. You don't, you don't do that. You just pray for him, and 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 take that whole matter and put it in God's hand. And uh, continue to keep it moving for yourself because it's important that you don't allow his tragedy to define your state of being. Right, right, right. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. All right, bless you. you. Bless you. All right, we've got uh, three lines open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Three lines open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let me just start. I'm going to take a break in a moment, and then we'll come back. Hopefully, we'll get another caller. So I'll just begin to define this. Um, the term identity, the idea of one's identity, is to be able to have a a proper comprehension of your state of being. It's a proper understanding of your state of being. When you talk about your identity, you are affirming that you are something or someone. That is when we talk about our identity on an ontological level, on a level of nature. You can have multiple identities in terms of offices and gifts and uh, positions in life uh, by which you can associate with many different uh, groups of people and, and institutions. But in terms of, let's just say, uh, uh, the identity of your personhood, that's ontologically fixed. And I know that in our present culture, we want to make a distinction between our, our sex, our physical sex and our gender. They want to make a bifurcation between what a person is physiologically and what a person is psychologically. Well, that's insane, but that's what they're doing. So we're redefining gender based upon a person's own self-identification. And that's why I'm saying we're operating out of a pseudo identity syndrome. So I've got I've got eight letters in the word identity. And I'm going to define each of these letters acrostically for you to kind of give you an understanding of what's going on with this false identity marker. Okay, the first letter in identity is I. And according to the pseudo identity syndrome of what people are doing by defining themselves in contradiction to the word of God is intentionally ignoring the facts. That's the I. When a person says I am a when in fact they are B and God has told them they're a they are intentionally ignoring the facts. Romans one twenty eight part a as well as Romans one eighteen 
and then Hosea 4, 6. The D is dialectically conditioned. Dialectically conditioned. In other words, this thesis, antithesis, synthesis thing that I've been talking about uh, all through the program is where you had a idea of who you were formally, but over time you have been able to be persuaded by other outside arguments and sources that ran up against your thesis with its antithesis. You have now compromised and entered into the new synthesis. You moved from a modernist to a postmodernist, from a biblicist to a relativist. You have been now taken in by the matrix of the dialectical process. That would be Ephesians 4, 14, Isaiah 57, 21. I'll expand on that later. The E is for emotionally imbalanced. The pseudo identity syndrome that's socially manifested by most people that are taking on these different identity markers is that they are emotionally imbalanced. And what the Bible says about emotionally imbalanced people is that they're tossed to and fro. James 1 says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And what you will discover largely with people that are playing games with putting on these synthetic identities is that they're struggling emotionally. They are dominated by their emotional makeup rather than by, rather than by logic and, and, and sound uh, propositional analysis. And then the end. So we've got IDE, emotionally imbalanced. Then we have the end. They operate out of a non-biblical critique. A non-biblical critique discernment. The pseudo identity syndrome is evidenced by people who make definitions of themselves contrary to what the Bible says. In other words, they don't have any discernment as to the rightness or wrongness of what they're doing. So what Solomon said is the wicked walk in darkness and they know not at what they stumble. That's Proverbs chapter four, 19 chapter four, 18 says, the path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more into the perfect day. That means when you walk in the light of God's word, he gives you more clarity so that you don't stumble. I've got to take a break. After this, I'll come back, answer your phone calls, and close out this Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. This report is sponsored by Upwork, when you need in-demand talent on demand. Westbound 237, the Great America Parkway, a solo rollover crash now cleared from the lanes, but uh, the damage is done. Traffic is stop and go from McCarthy Boulevard. In Concord, he's bound four just before you get to 680, victim of a hit-and-run crash. That's on the right shoulder. Traffic already slow out to Pittsburgh. Stall Big Rig in Oakland. That has been cleared. Southbound to 80 just before Oak Street. The sig alert canceled. Traffic still eh, pretty heavy and stop and go from about 980. SUV and a truck have uh, collided in San Leandro. Southbound to 880 just before Marina Boulevard. That's blocking the right lane. That's traffic. I'm Michael Bennett. Upwork has the world's largest network of proven independent professionals, and I have an alphabetical list of them. Accountants, administrative assistants, animators, architects, you get the point. When you need in-demand talent on demand, Upwork is how. Start your mornings with some truth for today. Pastor Phil Howard and Valley Bible Church of Hercules invite you to tune in weekdays at 530 to hear a challenging and life-changing message. Pastor Phil teaches the timeless truths of God's Word in a way that connects with your Christian journey today. Join Valley Bible for Sunday morning worship at 9 or 11. Find out about their other great ministries at valleybible.org and listen to Truth For Today, weekday mornings at 5.30, right here on AM 1100 KFAX. 
best-selling author, filmmaker, and conservative provocateur, Dinesh D'Souza, brings his unique political insight to the Bay Area to tackle the 2020 election straight on. With no apologies. America is facing another critical crossroad where we could decide our nation's fate for decades. Don't miss Dinesh D'Souza with special guest, Fox News regular Dana Lash. Friday, March 27th at the Shrine Event Center in Livermore. Don't miss an evening with Dinesh D'Souza. Get your tickets today at kfax.com. It used to be easy to create a retirement strategy. Work 40 years, save money, live off that money for a few years during retirement. Things have changed. For many retirees, reliable income is harder to come by. We're living longer than ever, so that chunk of retirement money now needs to last till 85, 90, even 100. Don't be alone. Call Mark Trutman, president and founder of Platinum Retirement Solutions. They offer no-obligation retirement income strategy sessions. Mark's team will dig into your unique situation and, if possible, design a custom strategy to help generate the supplemental retirement income you need. Call Mark and the team at Platinum Retirement Solutions right now to schedule your retirement income strategy session. 800-995-5882. That's 800-995-5882. Insurance products offered through Platinum Retirement Solutions. Located in the heart of Silicon Valley for over 25 years, Santa Clara Christian School offers preschool for ages 2 through 5 and elementary school for kindergarten through 5th grades. We provide a safe and loving environment and superior student-to-teacher ratios. Find out why Santa Clara Christian School is the right school for your family. Call us today for a tour at 408-246-5423 or go online at sccristian.org. And now, back to Lifeline. And we're back the time, 6.52. Let me see here. I might be able to answer one more phone call go go to line number one if you will going to line number one tom from san lorenzo um what's your question comment or observation to our discourse today well um i think that um it can be particularly difficult in today's culture for for someone who is actually you know um coming out of a gay lifestyle or what could have become a gay lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, because there's just so much pressure in this culture to, you know, to give in to whatever you're feeling instead of what is really true. Right. And uh, and so I just wanna I just wanna put that out there that there there are a lot of people that um, who actually have left the lifestyle and are trying to do the right thing. And yet they find themselves constantly barraged by, by just the temptations of the culture. Mm-hmm. And I myself am in that, in that category sure. and, and I'm, and I'm doing okay. Sure. But, um, but I have to say, you know, it is, it can be a struggle and in a way, this may sound, sound kind of crazy, but I kind of feel like, um, you know, the movie, the gremlins back in the eighties, Sure. I feel like I'm one of those gremlins, like the gremlin who didn't eat after midnight, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and there are all these gremlins that did eat after midnight and, you know, there's really not much you can do about it. Right. Um, 
I would I would want to have a longer conversation with you in terms of how long you have been out of the lifestyle. And, you know, Tom, um, first of all, I want to commend you for calling. I appreciate you because the, I, I know that there are a lot of people like you in this space where you are moving in a direction of a more objective truth and therefore not succumbing to being defined by your feelings or orientation. And I appreciate that whether you are a Christian or not. It's not that people people have to come in into uh, Christianity in order to recognize something that would be amiss with that with that lifestyle uh, per se um, but because it has developed in our present culture in such a massive mushroom way and and you, I'm sure you are very much aware if you are anywhere over 40 or 50 you see the uh, ubiquitous presence of the propaganda of uh, not just homosexual but the whole spectrum. If you are aware of and have a lens on the whole idea that I'm talking about around um, this process of transformation that's deconstructing all of the historic norms and opening the floodgates for everybody to express themselves in any kind of way they want to, and it doesn't have a moral or ethical implication, you 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 already know um, that we are far afield and that challenge for you in some ways though um, is the same challenge for all of us who would have a healthy desire for relationship even at a sexual level would you would you not agree with that yes yes absolutely yeah so even for the heterosexual Tom, I can tell you, I do a lot of counseling. My heterosexual brethren are in danger of crossing lines because there is just such a variated, variegated way of expressing oneself outside of the context and boundaries of a relationship that is honored in the context of marriage. So that battle is, in my opinion, it is centered at attacking our identity. And this is why as I'm dealing with this acrostic and I want you to be able to have the last word i i talked about the intentional uh ignorance of the facts of what constitutes our biological and ontological makeup as human beings and then this process of of dialect dialectical arguments that move us away from a worldview a biblical worldview to a secular worldview and i also assert that there is an emotional imbalance and many of the people who are operating out of these these pseudo identities, uh, it might be harsh, but that's just my observation. When we are in places that are not right, it means the whole of our uh, humanity is out of kilter. Our rationale, our emotions, our volitions, our cognition can be out of kilter. And I think that defining human beings at the level of mere emotional trajectory, mere emotional pulls has led us to an Im- imbalance in terms of defining who we are. What do you think about that? I, I, I think that's true. I think that... Um that God, God tells us who we are, and, you know, we, we can live out of that, secure in Him, and we don't have to, we don't have to give in to, you know, what we're feeling, right. because God loves us, and He has a plan for us. I agree with you fully, and that statement is what makes, uh, for us who have met Christ and God the Father uh, through the gospel, 
a, a universal solution to all of our struggles, exactly the way you put it right there. In that regard, we are all in the same place. This is why we share the gospel indiscriminately across the spectrum of human struggle and human trial, because it is the only thing that can begin to move us in a direction centered towards the God who made us originally in his image with all of the benefits and blessings that comes with the boundaries of a moral ethical framework so that we can enjoy life. We will struggle between now and glory with uh, the need to um, mortify and to uh, restrain by God's grace and sound principles um, our our behavior so that we can uh, live the best life we can possibly live now with hope of glory. So listen, I thank you. Very, very uh, uh, noble of you to call and share with us. Thank you for that call. Uh, we've come to the end of our program, um, and I appreciate uh, you guys hanging in there. I've got a TIT why and i might pick that up next week the t is non-biblical critical discernment i mean the n is non-biblical critical discernment the t is the theory of critical deconstructionism is what is operating in your pseudo identity syndrome the i is irrational in its arguments because when you hear them argue you can find the logical inconsistencies in their argument the t is a trajectory towards a collapse of culture that model is leading towards a collapse of culture. And finally, the why is a yearnings which are vague and blind. A yearnings which are vague and blind. We all have yearnings, but they must be informed by biblical truth. They must be grounded in a uh, reality that allows us to fulfill those yearnings in a way that's noble and honorable. I hope the study benefited you guys today. We'll pick up on it a little bit next week, unless there's some major topics that come that, you know, that, that usurp it. Otherwise, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord smile upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And that peace is found in his son, Jesus Christ. Until next time. Bye-bye. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.